This episode of the Two Fit Crazies in a Microphone podcast is brought to you by TFC Productions. Christine, what's the TFC stand for? Two Fit Crazies. Two Fit Crazy Productions? Yeah. Yeah, we produce some podcasts. So, um, you know, people always come up to us uh, and ask us how we can help them or, you know, what we can do. How did you get started in podcasting? What do I need? This and that. We Let got us you covered. help you. We Let got- us consult with you. We'll walk you through every step. Got you covered. And then from there, if you feel like recording and sending us the information, we'll produce it. We'll package it. We'll send it back to you nice with a bow on it. And uh, you just upload it yourself. And we'll uh, give you all those marketing tools and everything you need to do in the meantime. That's right. From the leaders in Podcasting 101. TFC Productions. So we're also brought to you by ContiFit.com, which is your virtual online fitness and wellness. You name it, you need it, we're here for you. And uh, make sure, check out the Let's Face It Together Facial Fitness and Rehabilitation Program, working with special populations around the world. Get virtually certified today. Don't miss out. Also brought to you by High Five Health and Fitness. We've got virtual online health coaching uh, sessions with me, uh, my company, High Five Health and Fitness. Uh, All the information, highfivehealthandfitness.com. It is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. How awesome is Peter Twist? Awesome. Right? Yeah. And now. No, like really good. Um, you know, we just get into these conversations and, uh, you know, Peter's, Peter's very well known. Uh, he's a guy who does a whole lot. He's, you know, he's been the first strength and conditioning Ever. coach in the, in the NHL, right? Yeah. Uh, for the Canucks. And, um, you know, he's just always been in fitness and this is his career and this is his business. And then we start to talk to the man mm-hmm. and he gives us more of his insight. He gives us more of, you know, what really makes him tick and what really makes the world go round. And we get it all. And it's just a fantastic conversation. I love this. I love what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's because of conversations like this. Right. And for someone like Peter Twist, who, you know, he, he goes back to the idea of what can sports bring you and what was training like. And, you know, it's about, honestly, it's about feeling good and functionality and he goes back to the importance of that and the mindset and you know you're gonna hear peter's story i know we first um i first came across peter i i had not heard of him before when i was speaking on project hope with sergeant kent who was who had came on the show and he was was a guest speaker and was just extremely insightful and inspiring and he has had his own, you know, journey through hell um, with with a cancer diagnosis and getting through that. And, you know, he's really going to talk about um, mainly how through his life. And he said this quote, you know, we can't change the whole world. But what if we can change our world mm-hmm. today? That's it. You know, just just the. The success and humility that mm-hmm. comes from training and the success and the humility that comes from sport and how that has taught us to live better lives, right. which in turn could really do a whole lot of good for the whole world around us. Mm-hmm. Success, humility, you know, the nicks, the scrapes, you know, the, the party, the celebrations right. and everything in between, how it makes us, uh, you know, just, just a more 
suitable for living in this right. world wait, that we need. Wait till you listen to this because <laughs> we're going to start off with, you know, with the with the physical and the training and the strength and and really how that is going to evolve into, you know, you really want to be successful. What is that? And we're going to get into that mindset and what makes you mentally strong. So straight from Vancouver, Canada today, Peter Twist. Here we go. Christine Conte. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And a microphone. We are where it's at. Brian, you know where it's at today? Right here, right now. It is. Peter Twist, welcome <laughs> to the show today. Hey, hey, Christine, Brian, thank you very much. And you know where it is right now, and I know the time is always now. <laughs> so good to be here right now with you, and an honor, honor to be on your show. Super excited. So... For our for our guests, I always like to say this that um, all of our listeners know that our guests, Peter, they don't just fall onto you know they don't fall through the door, or fall on our airwaves. So um, just to give everyone a really quick rundown, um, I was doing a talk for Project Hope for Sergeant Ken Weikert, and all of a sudden on one of the days he's like, hey. We've got Peter Twist coming on. And I'm like, who? Wait, who's in front of me? Wait, like, wait, what? And he is fantastic. For those of you that have not had the chance to hear him speak um, at, you know, either uh, conventions around the world or just in general, I cannot wait for all of you to discover Peter Twist and everything he's up to with coaching and motivation. And I don't know, man, I think your resume is, uh, is pretty cool. So I'm excited. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here as well. Where, where are you coming to us from today? I'm, in, I'm at home in uh, Vancouver, Canada, uh, the west, west coast of Canada, just north of Seattle. And, uh, I, you know, like everyone, it's a little bit of a different year, but I'm typically on 880, 80 flights a year, spend about 50% of my time internationally. And this year, I am doing zero trips, so I've got a nice <laughs> local rhythm at home, uh, and that's where they say, in every difficulty, lay opportunity, and there's one right there. Yeah, you know, it has been, and that's something that we've heard a lot. We've we've actually been on a Canadian tear lately, like a, like you know, every I once think, in a while we get like like three or four guests out of the last ten have been, um, you know, have been uh, Canadian brothers and sisters, um, and Vancouver's amazing, uh, one of my favorite places ever. But um, cool. you know, we we do we're home, right? Things have changed. Our kids' schedule have changed. I mean, I have children. <laughs> like everything has kind of changed. And for a while, there was nothing going on, and now it kind of feels like it's picking up again. Um, how are things in your world? Uh, yeah, things are good. You know, I, I think, you know, my approach, I'm in sort of uh, 
or checking, as we say in ice hockey, and that's you know <laughs> moving the uh, moving the ball down the field in uh, in other languages uh, for for decades. And so I don't know. I, I'm usually a, a fast responder. You know, I, I see opportunities. There's difficulties, challenges, and I'm I'm 72 hours. I've got something created that uh, helps serve people in a new way. And, uh, you know, when when COVID uh, disrupted us, I guess I had a heads up on it because I have a lot of endeavors in Asia. And uh, although Canada and the U.S. love to pretend that uh, COVID snuck up on them, uh, Canada, I was aware of it uh, December 29th, and I'm a guy in Canada, so I'm pretty sure Canada and USA's intelligence were well aware uh, and all the Asian countries sprung into action the first week of January. And so I, you know, I didn't, you still see things in kind of isolation, like you're watching the world through a TV monitor or a computer monitor. I didn't anticipate it coming here, but I had things slow down and shut down, you know, right at the start of January all across Asia. And then by March, it was here. And so I saw a million trainers and coaches, you know, kind of um, admirably and courageously sprint and race to shift and pivot. And a lot, a lot of our industry was stepping in and just doing what they do for free online and trying to figure it out. Um, and I volunteered a million hours in my life and believe in that, but not my core profession. And so I just decided to sit back, catch my breath and observe and see where was the world going? Where was my primary industries, which are fitness, sport, and health? You know, what direction are they going? What are 10 million professionals doing? And then I would just pause and try and think, well, that's a pretty busy path. You know, where, where's an alternative path that might be more fun to be on, less crowded? And if it's less crowded, that means people aren't being served in that way. So I just caught my, I caught my breath for a bit and uh and restored and observed and uh and and learned and then now everything uh uh everything's kind of heating up all around the world people have adjusted and it almost feels it's different but it's normal Uh, you know everyone's trying to produce and impact and help people and help people live the lives they need and so on so I, i i really like how it's gone all right we have to have to get into how you became the man you are today. And it goes a little something like this. How did you get started? What was your, how did you step into this world of fitness and wellness and exercise science and the love for athletics? Uh, Gee, love for athletics. You know, I grew up in Ontario, small town, and every North American sport. Uh, that I played. I grew up in an athletic family and was uh, picked the right parents to have a bit of a head start uh, genetically. And, um, you know, hockey, football, baseball, uh, tennis, soccer, track and field, you know, you, you name it, I played it, structured team and individual sports. And then I, I, I went to the West Coast to do my uh, master's in coaching science and I discovered there's an ocean and there's beautiful mountains and there's this rugged outdoor playground. So I stopped doing all of the sports that I had done, decided to learn everything new 
and picked up mountain biking and skiing and snowshoeing and ocean kayaking and trail running and descent racing, which is the most fun, you know, hiking up and then racing down, doing fast feet and files down the mountain is exhilarating. Um, so that, that was my basis uh, athletically. And I, I had just something inside. Um, I was going to be a physical education teacher in high school. I wanted to teach movements and how movement impacts different parts of our life. Um, of course, our brain, our bodies all connected, our brain, our spirit, our body. So one piece affects the other. It's all integrated and interdependent. So that was teaching phys ed made sense. But I, I graduated on, I wanted to be a little bit more creative than, um, and expansive. So I came out West, did my master's in coaching science, uh, Christine, to, with the focus to be a head coach of a university ice hockey team in North America, went to a coaches conference in the United States. And at the, to- at the time, um, there wasn't a lot of strength and conditioning and physical training in professional sports, but football in the U.S. in the college programs had strength coaches. And you know what? The, who got up and spoke at that conference uh, were head coaches, mostly about X's and O's and team systems. But the track coach, the head track coach got up, talked about plyometrics, jump training for speed, and showed things in the weight room. Then the rowing coach, the head rowing coach, got up and spoke at this coaches conference and talked about power and strength for rowing. And of course, you can imagine you're a head coach of a hundred meter sprint and it's a, it's very difficult to rise to the top, but let's, let's just say you're going to be a hundred meter sprint racer. You're going to start at the start line. You're going to run a hundred meters in a straight line and you hit the finish line. There's not a lot of variability to train for. So by the time you get the race start and, and running mechanics, what else do you do? You change the body tissue You change strength and power and speed. So head coaches were the first personal trainers. They were the first strength and conditioning coaches. And what that did is it pivoted me from wanting to be sort of a head coach of sport and more of a strength and conditioning coach to develop the athletes. And that's a a very close connection to fitness. That introduced me to the fitness industries and trainers and, and went on from there. It's been a wonderful path. Our, again, I played volleyball in college, and our strength and conditioning coaches were – they were no joke is all I have to say. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> and, you know, you were, you were tested, and you had to meet these – you know, meet certain criteria, or there were repercussions. And, you know, it was – you know, it was definitely something that, you know, I would say back in the day, um, it didn't exist. And to, to now – specify and to give the athletes such an advantage is is amazing so now so where did you go from here so you're like that's it i am you know i want to be a strength and conditioning coach but that might have not existed everywhere so how did you pioneer this it did not exist and and my although i love all sports you know being a good canadian you know (laughs) hockey had to be my most passionate sport uh it's interesting in canada soccer outnumber soccer participation outnumbers hockey four to one um but uh hockey's the one that's in our our blood i guess and so no the positions didn't exist so i came back and i think it's from 
when you're oriented as an educator and teacher, you're thinking of how do you how do you build people? How do you impact people versus what do I get? And because you you get your fulfillment uh, by helping other people and helping improve and build other people. And, uh, you know, I have a little bit of an entrepreneur spirit uh, as well. And so mix those two together. What I did, uh, Christine and Brian, is I came back and uh, looked up in the NHL, the Professional Ice Hockey League, all the general managers, you know, all the head coaches, the presidents of teams. And I did up a proposal about the what the strength and conditioning coach position is, the value of it, uh, right down into their language, also the monetization. So fewer man's games, missed to injuries mm-hmm. and things like that that would affect their bottom line and their win-loss performance and sent a, a proposal encouraging them to hire, uh, to implement this position. Now, what's interesting is I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't suggest myself for the job. All I did was try and uh, propose that they add that position. And that's step one. You, you got to, so education was a big part of everything I did because I believe we have to build the field that will take a, an opportunity in. And so it's, it's just, you know, you, you give first and then somewhere down the road you might get. And that's, that's the, the way I did it. And eventually I was working at the University of British Columbia, some research and teaching and coaching and uh, wrote a book with a professor there on the physiology of ice hockey and just started to specialize in that area. Uh, an opportunity did come up in the NHL and uh, I ended up getting the call and was was just the right fit. You know, if it was volleyball, maybe you should have got the call. <laughs> but I happen to have uh, the, the opportunities usually at the very top are for the most specialized person. You know, where I encourage folks to be a generalist in whatever industry they're in to to do the miles and get experience and figure out what they love to do and just take all kinds of little opportunities. Um, but at the very top, it's who, who's the most, who's the specialist, the true specialist in that area. So this one particular sport, um, I happen to be well suited for and it worked out well. Give us a, I know that this is just such a big part of the games now, all, all the sports. Give us a timeline on, on this. I mean, and, and, and how has it developed since you started uh, with all, with all the, were, were you at, were you the very first strength and conditioning coach in the NHL or was there anybody else doing something similar? And, and you know, and, and tell us how it's kind of evolved since then, because I mean, now they're shooting commercials of athletes just working out. It's not even they're playing the sport anymore. Right. It's like, it's become such a big part of it. And even every sport, golf and, you know, surfing even I have, mm-hmm. you know, I trained surfers and, and, and it's like everything and now has to have this um, component of the sport. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's changed, it changed dramatically, Brian. And I went in as the first one. And at a time when I, I think coaches thought that training made you muscle bound and athletes thought they would only, they were just training and being tested as a punishment <laughs> um, from the, from the coaches and th- there wasn't a lot of value or understanding placed in it. Um, but plus some of that, I'm gonna, I, I'll share something, but I'm going to make sure I, sh- I share it properly, which is graciously and humbly, because there's, I'll first say, there's 8 billion people in the world, almost. And I'm certain I can learn something from all 8 billion, and all 8 billion people know how to do something. I don't know how. Um, and there's super talented people out there. 
uh, some one, one piece of uh, what I was able to bring to the table. I, I, I looked at fitness at the time and fitness used machines for isolation or trained with free weights for bodybuilding and appearance. And so that was fitness at the time. And then in sports, even with the professional associations for strength and conditioning, I looked at how they trained and it was very limited. It was, it was USA football based, which I still thought was limited for football, but when it was applied to other sports, not a good fit and everything was great, but it was all vertical multi-joint lifts, you know, Olympic lifting, weightlifting, squats, deadlifts, uh, 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 clean and jerk, snatch, and so on. And then they ran, they did speed training in a straight line and high amplitude plyometrics, and that was about it. And so functional training as we know it and multi, multi-planar training, that didn't exist. And so I think it was 1999. I just, I saw, I, I heard what sport coaches we're talking about in the dressing room and what they desire in their athletes and fitness wasn't providing that, but I don't think strength and conditioning coaches, the few that existed in other sports at the time were either. And, you know, for example, everything was about speed, but where the game changing, uh, the, the highlight reels happen is on deceleration. It's changing direction and it's, and it's being evasive and things like that. So you train deceleration, not acceleration, and et cetera. There's dozens of those differences. So uh, I was able to introduce, with my sports science background as well, and understanding sport, uh, uh, a whole body, train movement, not muscle, integrated training style that combined balance, core, movement, and strength in every inch of every rep and every second of drill i introduced that at a national strength and conditioning association conference and uh, half the room was shaking their heads with no not shaking their heads yes with their arms folded in uh, denial and uh, thought it was from outer space and kind of silly and so i decided to launch certifications in it because clearly they didn't understand it. And today that's called functional training. And so I think what, what I was able to do in sport was introduce a more athletic uh, sport-oriented training style. Over 20 years ago, the industry's first certifications in that methodology, you know, hundreds and hundreds of publications. And I'm very, very honored that that's uh, taken hold across sport. I'm really pleased the way that coaches now train and develop athletes to be athletes, not to be great in the weight room, but they, they train them now to be great on the field, on the ice, and on the court. Now, now you brought up, I got to touch on this because, you know, in the last, just, you know, following NFL these first few weeks, I mean, there's been rashes of injuries. Um, one of the things that they did, you know, kind of point the direction to is the lack of OTAs and, you know, off-season practices that they were able to have because of the virus and all these things. And kind of they went back to working out with trainers that were putting them through those heavy lifts and just um, not teaching the movement that you mentioned so many times just in the, you know, 15 minutes that we've been talking here. Um, do you feel like any of that stuff is, is a correlation between it? I mean, you see, or, you know, obviously football is a, a contact sport and it's what we're seeing today, but we're seeing it in basketball. We're seeing it in, in other things, you know, where, where the lack of movement, you know, there's tons of strength. All these guys are strong. 
Um, they they may or may not need more strength, but they definitely need more mo- movement and agility and, and you know just mobility. Uh, 100%. You know, the brain, the brain thinks in terms of movement, not individual muscle. And it, it loves calm. The brain loves complex movement and so on. So there, you know, there's two types of movement. There's unloaded movement, which is your speed, agility, quickness, and it's a skill. It's a, it's a body skill. Um, coaches will historically, uh, spend a lot of time either on team systems if it's a team sport you know you're what 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 play are you going to run um out of your playbook and practice that but it's it's catching it's throwing it's those type of skills but it, you you look at um a game like uh soccer or ice hockey the the average player during a match or a game touches the ball or the puck less than 30 seconds the whole game or match so most of their time is just moving their body around the field or the ice or the court 95 percent of the time they're not they're not even expressing a sport skill as we traditionally teach it so movement and body control is the most important sport skill but it's not taught in that way and it's not learned and, and practiced uh, in that way um on the, uh, the other type of movement, besides speed, agility, quickness, Brian, is, uh, is loaded movement. So we're always weight lifting in terms of like getting stronger, more powerful, more explosive, more control, more resilient, lifting dumbbells, Olympic bars, and so on. But we're movement. Our lifting looks a lot like our speed, agility, quickness. Right. If, if, you're, if your movement drills for agility look a lot different than your uh, weightlifting drills, how do the two come together and how do the muscles match the movement? Well, they, they don't. Um, so certainly there's, you, there, everybody's getting something good done, but um, I think there's some gaps there. And you do see gaps are, are in training are presenting as in, uh, presented as injuries. Hmm. I'm going to... As as I'm as I'm listening, I love you, Peter Twist. I know. As I'm, you know, we're we're all, you know, we're we're very much similar. I'm going to play this loudly, Peter Twist. Right. Um, <laughs> now we're all motivated to train, and right. I'm motivated to to train for. I got to get it into endurance racing and volleyball. It sounds like yeah, right. 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 Uh, well, retired from volleyball, but one day, you know. Um, what what I what I'm envisioning, and you know, I'm thinking about our listeners right now, is that. Um, What's fascinating that you said, you know, think about the amount of time you're actually, you know, in a sport touching something. And once I think the statistic was that once people leave high school, I think it's only about less than 5% of people ever join an organized sport or whatnot after that. And that's the thing that almost, you know, for those of us listening right now that are, you know, just interested in getting into better shape, living a healthier life, the movement, you know, we talk about functional fitness. I'm always embarrassed of some of the, like 20 years ago when I first started teaching, you know, group fitness or training, I am, I am embarrassed about the things that I've told people to do because science just wasn't there yet. And, and it's evolved so much that I always thought I had coaches that would always say, I want you to watch the, the best athletes. And they look beautiful and they look fluid and they make everything look like one movement just follows and flows into the next. It's like butter. Right. <laughs> and it's interesting yeah. because we go and, 
you know, you go and you train, like you're, like you're saying, you know, we're doing our hand clean, our push presses, our, you know, our jerks, our, that doesn't look very fluid. Yet I'm even picturing right now, I'm picturing how fluid and beautiful, you know, hockey players look on the ice when they're not, when they don't have the puck, right? It's just this beautiful movement, this ebbing and flowing. And, you know, in volleyball, we had it in different positioning. I mean, you could do that with any, with any sport. And that is what I think people sometimes, I think we lose that. We don't realize the, the anticipation and the, you know, that body awareness. Um, And I know you are super into, you know, the, the correlation and the connection between the body and the mind. Will you talk a little bit about what you do with body, mind, I guess, training and how important that is? Oh, no, absolutely. And my mindset is uh, everything, you know, um, you know, from the, the lens that I see through um, what, what we're talking on here, like what's my perception of the two of you in our call and how am I receiving the comments and am I taking something personally or not? Like what's, what lens am I seeing through? And so my perception affects then my, my interpretation that affects my self-talk and positive or negative self-talk affects my energy, how I show up, the words I use, the actions I take. And my mind and my self-talk even affects my biology. If I'm in a positive environment, in the biology of beliefs, I have positive thoughts, positive self-talk, positive environment. My cells are healthier. This is, that's even a positive mindset is so important in a COVID year. It affects your immune system. It affects your health, your body resiliency. So my mindset is everything in that way. And of course, when you talked about five percent of kids staying in organized sport after high school well you know sport gives us cooperation collaboration determination goal setting uh, resiliency get back up kind of attitude belief that you can because you fail succeed fail succeed and you know with without that that's an important part of goal you know going after your target and staying in the game and keeping after your goals um over on mindset as well, a couple other pillars to throw out. We do a lot of visualization and mental rehearsal to see our, so our athletes see themselves performing successfully. And there's a direct correlation to improvement and confidence for that. The fourth pillar for mindset would be, um, you know, in the mind, mind, body, spirit is restoration and recovery and uh, taking time and have, giving ourselves permission to be kind on ourselves. And, and more gentle and having very constructive, purposeful, uh, restorative time uh, as well. There, there's four key pillars um, from the A, A to Z on mindset. Without, without that, I, I would say, you know, all things being equal, um, you know, professional athletes who all get the same resources, you know, of, of they come in around the same level. And more often than not, it's mindset that affects who succeeds and who doesn't, who can, can sustain um, high performance. And I think mindset, if we're in a difficult year like COVID, that maybe brings um, economical stress for some folks. There may be health challenges and there's all kinds of health challenges. When we're in challenges and difficulty and under stress, 
for people and for athletes in a game competition, they're under stress every game. You know, you're battling head to head. Um, it's, it's mindset that's going to get you through that successfully and persevere and continue on and believe that you can win. That's a, that's another thing that, you know, was never part of the sport. Now it's everywhere in the sport, right? The mindset and the mentality and the push and all that things. What was it like the the first time you started throwing jive like that around an NHL locker room? (laughs) Oh man, it was, um, Yeah, I I literally, I wasn't there to be the athlete's friend. I was there to, I was there to have their back and help them be successful and make sure the team was successful. So I literally had to grab guys physically and pull them over to the weight room. We worked out, I came in out of the blue and we started working out after games. Imagine finishing your game and working out at midnight. Yeah. Um, But as far as the things, um, well, well, straight up, I, I remember a player at that time, and it's not that long ago, who was into fitness, who was into training, who was lean, and he was doing some very, what I would call quite mainstream uh, herbal supplements. He was taking echinacea and golden seal, which is sort of someone's first step right. into some uh, Eastern supplementation and holistic supplementation for health and uh, immune system and so on. And just the fact that he was doing something different. Um, he wasn't just like training and drinking beer. And, uh, <laughs> he, uh, I mean, he just wasn't competing in, in the games and practices and drinking beer. He was training, um, uh, strength and conditioning, and he was taking care of his food, his food and his supplementation he got ostracized yeah. from the team. He, he got abused uh, because he was trying to do positive things that help his mind, health, and performance. Where today, that's the the standard. Uh, but I, I feel I, I feel uh, bad for some of the early adopters because they they were sort of pushed to the sidelines from their teammates from that you know social pressure. But at the same time, I pat them on the back because a lot of them earned, you know, achieved their contracts because what they did was the difference maker. That's right. Put them above someone else and they showed up ready. Brian, you talked about football and the injuries and coming in with a shorter prep time and things like that. You know, the, a lot of players came in and, and, and skated and their way into shape as, uh, you know, basketball. They, you're, you're running drills in practice and you're getting into shape. The guys that showed up in their peak condition, they grabbed positions and some of them hung on to them for 10 or 20 year contracts. That's, uh, that's the way, uh, our friend, Jesse Itzler, who's been on the show, the guy came to him and said, what do I, how do I invest as an, one of his players? He owns part owner of the Atlanta Hawks. He says, how do I invest? He goes, you invest by getting a personal chef and somebody to train with because your next contract is the big investment. You know, you want to play stocks, go ahead. He says, you want to make money? Get another contract, you know, so that's the most important thing, that longevity factor. Yeah. And then for, you know, for everybody listening, longevity needs to be a goal. You know, we talk a lot about athletes and then how do we take sport and athletic preparation into health and happiness and success for uh, everybody? Those 95 percent after high school that don't aren't in structured sport. Uh, on that side and it's that investment is su- such a great way that you said that um you know we like to say a, a leader of one a leader of many if you don't lead one you won't lead any and the leader is yourself 
uh, to the leader of one is to lead yourself first. It's like the oxygen mask that comes down on the plane. The parent takes theirs before they give the kid their own. So, you know, I don't, I don't really have pet peeves. I don't know another wording for it. Um, but I guess a pet peeve is hearing moms and dads saying they're too busy. They don't have time. You know, they put themselves last, which Mm. we all do. And I've done, um, but that's a mistake. And it's not, it's, uh, I, I hate to hear that thrown out as a badge of honor. Who's the busiest and the too busy to eat healthy, to train or to get mindset time, you know, go for a walk or a run in nature to come back because what, what parent is at their best when they're, when they're, um, fat, sick, depressed, anxious, impatient, grumpy, like that's, that's not being your most generous. Your most generous is your, your fit, healthy, happy, peaceful, patient, and bringing those things, your best energy, your best self. So to be, I say to be, give yourself permission to be self selfish so you can be your most generous. I don't really consider it selfish, but that, you know, that's a memorable way to say that philosophy is be, be, um, give yourself permission to be selfish, to take the time for yourself. So your body is strong and fit. You have good energy, physical energy to give to others and positive energy inside. You have a peaceful, happy, present, patient mindset to bring to the, to the, uh, every moment that you enter in. Then your spouse, your kids, your friends, your work, they all get that version of you, the best version of you. Similar to the investment in the pro athlete, instead of playing stocks, going for the next contract, what if we invested in ourselves to show up our best? How can our very best self, what would that change every moment, every day, every meeting, every business proposal, every interaction uh, with who we love, everything would elevate. So we need to elevate ourselves so we can give that state others and our our life will be somewhat commensurate with that i think it's changing that mind it's it's really changing that mindset and i was just thinking um i had a good friend of mine call me last week and she said christine i've got this i just had this amazing idea that would you know make people rich and i'm like oh my gosh okay (laughs) and i remember saying you know i'm like you know that i think really think that already exists already and you know whatever Oh, well, I've got to think of something. It was just really funny. And I, and I wrote back and I was like, honestly, the things that are going to make you rich right now is if you start thinking with your heart. And I looked down at yeah. this and I'm like, who is this? I just wrote that. Because, uh, you Renee know, Brown over here. I grew up and really success was, you know, you have a good job, you have, you have a bunch of money, you have the house, you, and it took, you know, a really long time, almost 40 years, um, to realize that that is not success, that that is not the correct mindset that makes for a successful person. And, you know, whether we're talking about a business or we're talking to a fitness professional or you're talking to an athlete, you know, what, what is that for you? And I think it's the way you look at it is that, you know, are whatever you're doing, is that helping someone else? Is it, does it make you happy? What, what's your value? What value can you provide for other people? And, you know, I think it takes, sometimes it takes a lot and it takes for you to go through things to realize that, which leads me to something that we have to mention. Now, are you ready, Peter? I'm, uh, I'm born ready. Okay. <laughs> Every once in a while, Brian's like, oh, God, what is she going to say? Um, when we were on that Project Hope night, you yeah, told yeah. a story, 
And it was really very important, I think, that, um, you know, I know that you've talked a lot about, uh, you know, done this or this or this, but I don't think that you could mention mindset without just touching on some of the things that changed the way that you look. Because I know Sergeant Kim was like, and this is Christine. She's been through some stuff kind of like you have with, you know, maybe fighting through disease and being able to, you know, keep that positive mindset. Like, this is a gift. This is not going to destroy me. Mm-hmm. And will you just touch upon that as well? I think that's so powerful. Uh, absolutely, I will. Yeah. And, um, and I'll do that by um, taking a first step to bridge from your comments about success. And certainly, you know, financial stress is not fun. Um, uh, although, you know, it's, it's, it, we say a lot in, uh, in COVID, it's said a lot, you know, it's not an equal playing field because everyone's in the same storm, but in different boats, someone's in a, their second waterfront home and someone's in a, in a, you know, congested city, you know, difficult paying their rent. And so different, different experiences, but it's not your boat that determines your stress and happiness. The person in the waterfront home might be the most depressed, unhappy, overwhelmed, and the person struggling to pay their rent in their little apartment, they might be battle tested and they're used to that. And they trust that they have find a way and, you know, they'll just find their way through and they know they have to find happiness. There's, they have to save space for happiness, no matter what's going on uh, in their life and what difficulties they're navigating. So I say you have to be out of mind. You got to be out of your mind <laughs> to be successful in the way uh, to to be rich. And I say be out, of, get out of your mind, because to get out of your mind and into your heart, and to think with your heart. And so, I, I grew up in a family without uh, money, but we were rich in every other way. And so, I understand, you know, to be rich, the best form of wealth the best form of being rich is to be enriched and we are enriched by giving and and how we experience the world i I think one of the things you were alluding to uh which is generalizable to everybody who's listening because everyone who's listening has difficulties and challenges and uh they'll, they'll have other ones uh coming up at some point and so i i had a little health wrinkle i had to uh iron out and was surprised a few years ago with uh, stage four uh, head and neck uh, cancer mm. and uh, not, not given uh, really a chance of uh, success. My, my first oncologist within five minutes was talking to me about palliative care, which if, for those that don't know that word, um, great that you don't, uh, but palliative care means how do you help someone die nicer? And so right away, I decided he was not smart enough to be my doctor. <laughs> and uh, I did stay for the whole hour appointment to be respectful, but I knew I was out of there. And I went and found someone who would believe there, there's a chance. And uh, f- fortunately there, I, they decided I was fit and strong enough. It was just at a chapter in my life. I was at my strongest ever that uh, they could bomb me with higher levels radiation and chemo. And, you know, as that destroys me, um, it's going to destroy the tumor. And they thought I could, uh, I was, I, you know, we, we, we say with athletes, athletes, uh, 
you know, you hear in cha- champion athletes, you know, they, in their champion moment, uh, they rose to the occasion. And I don't believe you can magically rise to the occasion. I think under stress and duress, we sink to the level of our training. And so they thought I had uh, more room to fall. And as I got destroyed, it gave uh, more, a little bit more time for, to uh, kill off the tumors and for me to outlast it. And uh, outlasted I did uh, because I'm uh, gr- grateful to be here speaking uh, with both of you and your audience. Um, and my, me- my message from that to folks is uh, that I did not crush cancer. Uh, I got crushed hmm. and uh, I won by a thread. So you, you don't have for any part of life, you don't have to crush your goals to be victorious. You know, you, you just have to you just have to win at the finish line. You just got to get your chest over the finish line a, a microsecond before who's going to come in second. You, just, you can win by a thread and still be successful. So as you're stumbling along and failing a bit and don't don't be hard on yourself. Um, that's the way that's the way success is earned. And uh, no, nobody, not many people crush their goals. You know, we sort of limp across the finish line, yeah. and pick up the trophy. Uh, and so feel, feel okay about how you're going and, and, and keep at it. And that mindset of belief, I'll, I'll, I'll share and I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. My, my oncologist, who's a very hard science, like I, I did a lot of holistic nutrition, naturopathic medicine, things that the cancer hospital doesn't tend to believe in. Um, and I say that because my oncologist, who's more of a hard science, you know, go with the proven research-based, you know, uh, chemo radiation, he said, you know, what's interesting is everybody gets chemo radiation. So wh- where's the difference then? And he noticed with me, he said all his, his staff, they said when I came in, but just based on energy and attitude, they they thought I was going to be the one that would be successful. Hmm. And he, 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 he said after thousands of patients over many years, he thinks that all things being equal with chemo and radiation, 80% of the difference is mindset and belief um, and attitude and energy on who he's seen survive and go on to thrive. And uh, who unfortunately does, you know, doesn't graduate to the next level. I, I believe that wholeheartedly, and we've heard you know similar stories both here. A friend of mine with several brain surgeries, who's I mean he is as sound as a pound mentally. He has uh, you know it, the doctors laugh at his attitude because it's just so out. You know his outlook is so positive, and you know for yeah, a dude yeah, yeah. dude who's been through it a lot, um, and you know and, and a lot of his success as well. Just as just the one example is comes from his you know his physical abilities, an endurance athlete, and he's. Train, he's trained through marathons during you know some some of the treatments and things like that and he's uh and he's an incredible not only spirit but physically fit um which you know mm-hmm. as you said uh you know helped you endure it matters you know. it so oh, yeah. matters it, i i don't it blows my mind when people say you know you know you've been through this or or how do you do this you just do it you it, yes not every day is sunshine and rainbows but there's something to be said for surround not only keeping that positive energy and positive outlook, but also surrounding yourself with people who also will 
foster that. Absolutely. I think is something that's huge. Um, you know, and I'm sure that you had people that were like, yeah, yeah, you're going to do this. Yep. Yep. Here we go. (laughs) And you know, and that's, that's so powerful. So now you right now, let's get to this. Um, you do a lot of speaking, you do a lot of coaching Mm -hmm. around the world. What, um, give me some of the, the pots where your hands are in right now. (laughs) Um, well, right now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm writing a book on uh, mindset before muscle. It's um, about the type of things that you, you and Brian uh, advocate and uh, working on a little bit of research. Um, I have a, a small number of boutique gyms that were sport training that were graduating to also uh, natural uh, health and wellness to help folks on a fuller spectrum when they're in a pickle we can get behind and have their back and, um, you know, and now we're, uh, we're seeing which of those we can recover and help, uh, flourish, uh, after they've been closed down through COVID. Um, and a, a lot of my time is spent on, uh, on education. So current day I'm writing certification courses, which are short specialized courses that trainers, coaches, therapists would take to become uh, accredited in specialized areas, functional training, sport performance, kids, physical literacy, sports medicine, mindset, those type of things. And um, those will be, those are for distribution through master teachers. I set up in 33 countries for live uh, teaching. Um, And of of course, in this era, we're also uh, filming them and producing them one by one for digital uh, course uh, distribution as well. over in uh, in Asia, I do a lot of guest speaking in in Asia. There's a lot of emerging economies, which means they need resources for fitness and and health and so on. Um, I'm a big uh, well, I, I you know I'll, I'll I'll just say it with without without being being human and not being political. But I, I I'm in Canada. Let's say <laughs> it's a blessing to be in Canada. I know Brian, you're you're gonna be shooting your honorary Canadian. I, you, you know, know what? I I just thought earlier today. Why is it so cold up there? <laughs> You know, if it weren't so cold, we'd be there. I've talked about <laughs> I how I may be moving to Canada in the next right. few months. We're, I know. We'll see what how it breaks. Well, I'll, st- I'll, st- I'll stick with my comments on Canada, and I'll say I'll save the dialogue from the U.S. Um, but if Canada, it's a blessing to be here. You know, overall, a clean environment. It's safe. It's multicultural, and so on. Um, but can- Canada, I also recognize the the history books. Uh, that I was taught in school, um, were all, they were all white, whitewashed and Christianized. So I, I got a fictional fairy tale version of who the heroes are and who the bad guys mm-hmm. are. I recognize I was taught who to hate and fear. Um, I, I recognize for a war economy that we need people to hate and fear. And uh, I, I, I see that, you know, in Canada, you know, we stole, we stole the land from the Native Americans. <laughs> we stole land and property from the Japanese during a war. Um, so Canada is an awesome place, but I can look at my home and say, we've committed atrocities. There's lots we need to improve and we've done lots of great stuff. Once I think if people were taught that instead of like, you know, we're the greatest and everyone else is the bad guy and we got to win and they lose. 
if we could look at our, if I can look at Canada and say, I'm proud of Canada, I'm blessed to be here, but oh man, we've done some terrible things and we can improve a lot. Then I can look at every country the same. And that allows me to, I'm willing to go to Russia. I'm willing to go to Korea. I'm willing to go to Iran. I'm willing to go to China. If there's people that need help with mindset, fitness, health, um, uh, sport performance, I'm really happy to educate them and help uplift people. And I love the concept of being a bridge and making friends and collaborating, learning from each other and just being open to the world. So I spend a lot of my time with that philosophy in Asia. So that right in this chapter, so I can learn myself, make friends, be enriched. There's thousands of years of history to learn from. And, uh, and then, uh, and helping people out. So I do some things with um, uh, United Nations, with kids' physical literacy, with developing programs for schools. I partnered with the China government, helping modernize training and rehab for the 2016-2018 Olympics um, and have the certifications over there. We're working on a coach's college to help uh, prepare people to go teach, train, and coach, and rehab others. So it's really just um, doing, doing things to share the, the, the few things that I actually do know in the world um, to, uh, to package those and share those and, and give that IP and how-to and methods and so on and training systems for other people so they can go teach, coach, train. And it's my way of, uh, my way and ways that I can of scaling positive impact. And, you know, feels to me from my heart that points, uh, points my compass in a, a direction that I believe in. Hey man, love is love. I, uh, I think that's amazing. And, uh, look, we all got warts, right? We all got some, Speak uh, for yourself. Not, well, some, <laughs> some history, some past and, and, uh, you know, but, and look, both personally and nationally and, and, and all, and all the above, um, you know, so, uh, uh, but, but it's, uh, it's one world and, uh, we, you know, if we can be beneficial to whoever, go for it. No, I, absolutely. And I think some of that maybe came, came from sport, from pro sport where, it's, it's all right. Like Canada is fairly multicultural, but the sport, you know, the pro sport teams have been affiliated with it's uh, you, you know, there's seven countries represented in the dressing room. Right. And then you go into the Canadian or even U S um, Olympic programs. Well, there's going to be coaches and scientists from Russia, from China, from sure. Australia that are imported in that are, are Canada and U S countries utilized to benefit from. So, Sport is very multicultural. Knowledge is, uh, there's no borders in the world to knowledge. And, uh, and so I think a lot of that spirit, uh, you know, comes from familiarity there. And I've just continued uh, along in that path. It's a it's a common cause. We could all uh, learn from that uh, in some way, shape or form that uh, having a common cause is a good thing. Absolutely. And you know, what's what's interesting in the sport and uh, from your your guys' sport background as well, a lot of governments are looking at when they're looking at how how do we make sure our kids are active and healthy? How do we have healthy communities? How do we get our adults like every country needs their adults to be healthy or it's going to, you know, break, break the bank in healthcare. And uh, in my mind, although I'm I'm naive, but if I was leading a country, um, uh, if I was leading a country, my four main metrics would be health, happiness, peace, and positivity. 
And uh, <laughs> imagine if each imagine imagine the USA with 340 million people that were the healthiest, the happiest, the most positive, the most peaceful. They're you know they're strong in those ways. That be unstoppable, be unstoppable, and could export. How do you do that? You could export that IP to the world and and develop a wealthy economy from helping other people rise. That's kind of kind of the philosophy on there. So from sport, as we try and help athletes set them up for success, interestingly, governments are looking at sport and the sports sciences and wow, look at look at how athletes flourish and sustain performance over a long time and stress and mindset and fitness and performance. How do we take elements of that and bring that into our communities for kids and for adults? You know, what can we adopt from sport for fitness, health, wellness, positivity, happiness for everybody? And so I, I'm involved in, in a few things uh, as, as one of, of several uh, leaders that are collaborating to put some of those together. But I find it really fascinating that governments are looking at what's done in sport to affect community health and well-being. I mean, you're talking to a former teacher whose master's is in curriculum and instruction over here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, right, right up, uh, you know, right up exactly what, um, you know, what needs to happen mm-hmm. is, you know, some really good change. What I do want to... I'm voting for Peter. What I, I, me too. I'm right in. Mm-hmm. I'm yep, going to write him me in. Too. Everybody gets a free, uh, <laughs> a free Canadian beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um How's that for incentive? That's yeah. not bad. That's, that's high, yeah. higher alcohol yeah. content. It sounds like moonshine up there, kind of. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's in his bathtub. Just bring a, just bring Compared a cup. Compared to the junk we sell down here. So, Peter, you get it. <laughs> Brian gets it. I get it. This whole yeah. thing with, you know, being at peace and, you know, finding happiness and, you know, understanding things come from the heart and whatnot. I wake up every day now that I've, I guess been enlightened or found my, you know, again, I'm not this kumbaya person. I'm very practical, but there was something that was missing. And I know, you know, I was always had this, you know, this big business and you make the money and, and I was so unhappy, even though everyone else thought I was so successful and, you know, you've got everything. Well, I felt like I had nothing and now I feel like I have everything and, you know, now I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and I, you know, and again, I love relationships and I love networking. And I mean, this podcast, like you said, we get to talk to people around the world and that in, in and of itself, just bridging the gap between cultures. And, you know, obviously we talk fitness and, you know, athletics and, and, um, inspiration, but we get to connect people from all over the world. What is it that, is there something different about, you know, you and Brian and I that just, you know, that people that other people don't get, or is there some, do people have to go through like some really hard times? You think Uh, this is the question. This is like the bazillion dollar question that I have. Yeah. What's the linchpin here? Yeah. What do you think? Um, well on, uh, uh, what I think on that, um, a a couple things, uh, number one challenges for sure. It's, uh, I think it's showing that the people who are, have gone through the most intense uh, challenges. They've had to dig down the deepest. Well, one, you build a lot of strength that way. You trust you have this toolbox and your perspective of challenge changes. So I've got tons of challenges in my life right now, but I just kind of chuckle at them. It's like, 
I, yeah, this, these are, these aren't great, but I've handled much worse than this. So, you know, this is okay. And I, I got to find space to be happy anyway. And I'll just start to check off what I need to do pragmatically, you know, for these as best I can, you know, um, and if I fail, well, tomorrow, tomorrow, if I'm blessed to wake up, it's another day. I'm convinced if I've got for tomorrow, I've got a safe place to sleep, water, and food and clean enough air to breathe uh no matter what's going on relative to the world i got a soft life and i've got an opportunity to improve and to to go do things and that's what i need each day nominally i'm good good to go i think challenge to answer your question uh challenges set us up they shift our perspective i think um i think there's something to training the physical training and training uh, in a way that integrates our brain. So a whole body integrated training when our, there are, when we train our body, if we train more movements and complex and use balance and so on, um, we're, we're actually growing brain cells and we're changing how our brain wires together so that it communicates to the muscles differently. So our body moves more skillfully and that neuroplasticity, that brain plasticity, I think we're physically teaching our brain to change how it's wired so that it's more prepared. Well, now we have a verbal discussion and you guys present something quite different than I'm used to hearing. I'm capable of pressing pause and actually seeking to understand and being curious and receiving it. And wow, I might even shift my beliefs and what I think because I'm training my brain. So certainly doing physical things can set our brain up and our, uh, our views to shift. And then being around people who actually uh, communicate about things that love to just have calm, unemotional discussions around different topics that you can consider perspectives that trains you uh, to do that as well. But here's the kicker. I think a lot of it is um, our school system that teaches to the test and helps graduate a certain amount of people to be workers in structured jobs and a certain amount to not qualify for college so that they'll fill all the minimum wage positions that society needs. It's all structured for that. And it's uh, when we train, when we teach for the tests, it's very left brain, very left brain, mm -hmm. just, you know, math and science and good things, but you, you can hear different leaders around the world make decisions and they're just, let's, let's go, let's stay away from that. Let's go more to a business. If I'm left brain and I'm doing a business plan, I might decide to manufacture some widget. Now my manufacturing that widget might pump millions of, of uh, gallons of pollution into a river or ocean but my left brain doesn't consider that. I'm just looking at the business plan and the profit and loss. And look, here's my profit. That's a good decision. And I really believe in my heart it is because I think with my left brain. If you think with your right brain, you can still do all the left brain work and have the profit and loss statement. But your right brain would be the last filter before words and actions come from you. And your right brain says, oh, yeah, but we're dumping millions of gallons into the river and this is going to harm this community and the environment. Um, you know, we're going to need to adjust our business plan because that's not right to do. And so we have a level of care of other people. We can actually think of other people. It's a me to we. Our right brain takes us from me to we. Mm -hmm. And uh, right brain comes from 
physical activity, sport, art, music, play, creativity, all the things that get slashed out of school uh, programs. Our school, our high school is very left brain. There's not very much right brain. And so we're graduating those people into the world. And, and that's how they see. That leads to less collaboration and more conflict, more focus on me and less care about we. It's fascinating. I think the whole idea of it's struck. I was, I'm thinking of structured tracking is what it is. Like we're structuring you. Here's what you're learning. Here's how, how you should be thinking, but we're also tracking you for specific jobs and vocations as well, which it's a cast system. It's, it's fascinating because I think a lot of the people that are the haves have the money and have the resources to diversify their mm-hmm. children yeah, versus, yeah, yeah. you know, the have nots, you know, rely on that. And there's a, you know, it's, it's just fascinating. I don't know that there's a specific answer, but I'm just always, I'm, I'm really fascinated to, you know, all the people that we speak to on our podcast are fascinating people. And Peter, that's why you're here. Like, Oh, you're fascinating. I want to know what, <laughs> what you do. I want some I of it. I thought you were going to you know? say that the fascinating people were busy. So <laughs> they were mm-hmm. Well, at times, you know, it, it, no, I mean, I'm glad I'm, I'll get in here any way I can. That's okay. I'll work my way up. <laughs> no, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, different, different folks. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just, it's just all different. Um, but this is this has just been a great conversation. I really enjoyed this uh, greatly. Um, you know, just we, you know, we come in here. We we want to talk about fitness and we want to talk about exercise, and then we you know we end up on these things that that really change us and really really that make us healthy. Um, you know, bottom line, uh, you know, it's not about always uh, the weights and the programming and and there are any of those things. It's how we think. It's how we feel. It's how we treat each other. It's how we um, you know live in this world. And uh, you're nailing it today, Peter and it's uh, it's been fantastic well well thank, thank you yeah i like the orientation of our uh of our conversation and i often think from that sport and athletic world you know who who needs the mo- this the most and well maybe it's that single mom or it could be single dad but it's maybe single mom with uh, a couple, who works full-time has a, a couple kids uh at home you know, and when does she or he need to be their best? We prepare athletes for a game competition. Well, the single mom or dad in that example needs to be their best 365 every day. So I really start to think about sustainable performance and what would set that person up for success. So fitness is a base, but then we need to be able to move. And then, of course, health mindset and ultimately Everything, uh, everything that one that's come to me for help, I think they're after positive emotions. I peel back enough layers from their goals. They're they're after positive experiences uh, that that they're attracted to, and the positive emotions that come from those positive experiences. That's a cool thing to do. Uh, I'll I'll make sure I pass on one thing. I'm a big believer in making complex simple. We talked about a wide spectrum of things. Going all the way back to fitness, to getting into the gym, to training, which everybody can decide to do now. We, we can't change the whole world, um, but just we can change our own world today. You know, and I, I would uh, encourage and challenge everybody, no matter how great a person you are and no matter how difficult your situation or how great it is, spend a week truly consciously 
showing up, uh, no matter how you're feeling, to every step of your path, everybody on your path, even the person you spend 11 seconds with buying a coffee, show up more positive, passionate, present, enthusiastic, uh, grateful, gracious, appreciative, and give that to them. The person, and I bet your yeah. how you feel uplifts, but your whole world, your world, your world will change immediately. Make notes in a journal what that experience was like at the end of each day and reflect on your words. How did you feel in those experiences? So it's so easy and immediately accessible for us to profoundly change our own worlds, our path in it. Uh, to more positive, peaceful, present, grateful, healthy, happy, enthusiastic. And people tend to reciprocate how you show up. And last with that, in the gym, Brian and Christine, working out. The great thing about that is when you train, as you know, you fail. We tr- we, from fatigue, we train to failure, but learning a new Uh, a new exercise, our body kind of breaks down at first. It can't do it. We fail. And I believe from the most simple element of everything we talked about, if people who aren't in sport can get in and train, and training is their sport, exercising is their sport, and experience the, the opportunity every day to fail, And the great thing with exercise and training is very quickly, later that workout, the next week or a month later, you can do it. Everybody improves. Everybody can do it. And you just fail, succeed. You fail, improve, succeed. This gives, it sounds kind of hokey what you tell a little kid, but it's good for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think it's powerful for our path in life. You get an I can do it attitude. I trust when I fail. That's a part of the process to success and I'm going to go improve and succeed and other people who don't have that would see failure as evidence that they cannot and what do they do they quit so keep it simple get into the gym fail and then keep going till you improve get that I can do it attitude and use that universally for all parts of your life Yes, you can attitude. Uh-huh. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there Let's it is. Again, and you, you guys are doing it. I believe I'm uh, like the 186 or 188 uh-huh. uh, podcast on here. You've been doing this consistently. You guys prove that you can do it. And we failed and, too. <laughs> uh, and I really, really appreciate our conversation and the opportunity to connect on all these things. Oh, it's awesome. You have an open invitation, Peter. And do us a favor before we end. Will you, if anyone wants to, you know, reach out to you, um, you know, kind of learn more about about you and what you're doing, will you give us a website? And also, I know you're, you know, with the books and everything. um, Will you give us your website, some social media handles? Go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, For myself personally, you can uh, check out a community that circles around this type of conversation, and I learn from lots of them too. The the IG IG is Coach Peter Twist. Um, You you would find me on uh, on Facebook. It's uh, Peter Twist thirteen, and then a company, a a corporate one of the websites is TwistPerformance.com. And that'll give you a little look at what we do hands-on 
with clients and kids and kids as young as age 80 and, uh, and our pro athletes. You have been fantastic, Peter Twist, and we are super excited and grateful. I know our listeners are going to love this conversation, and we'll put all of uh, Peter's information on our website and our social media links and channels when this comes out. So if you missed it, do not worry. And um, Peter, thank you so much. Uh, Christine and Brian, you're most welcome. Thanks for having me on. And much respect for what you're doing. And uh, just keep creating good days. Likewise. Keep being crazy. <laughs> all right. With the, with, all right. All right. Have with, an awesome day. With Thanks that said, everyone, my name is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are to fit crazy. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.